Hey, this is Pastor Bob Stephen, lead pastor at Pursuit Church SA, and this is our podcast. Listen, would you take a minute to share and subscribe to this podcast? Also, we would love to connect with you, so please visit us at PursuitChurchSA.com or on any of our social media pages. Now, here's this week's message. We hope it blesses your life. You know, everybody has their own stress relievers, right? Like you have a stress reliever. Maybe it's exercise. That's not mine. Maybe it's gardening or reading. We all have something we do to relieve stress, right? Well, lately, I kind of don't really want to admit this, but we're all girls. We're friends. It's good. So I've been watching these Insta Reels. I didn't even know what that was a year ago, but somehow I got sucked into this vortex of Insta Reels, and I saw the craziest videos of these dogs. I love bulldogs, and so I'm into this bulldog watching stuff, and they're so funny. Some of them are like, "Eh, I don't know about that, but they're so funny. And then I got kind of carried away and started watching watching these church lady videos. You know, the ladies dancing around, and I think that's so cool. You know, why don't we do it here? Anyway, I started watching these Insta Reels, and one time, out of the blue these reels started popping up and they were these random people and they were talking about how women are nothing special, that we're no big deal. It's no big deal to be a woman. You want to be a woman, you can be a woman. And I thought, all right, well, you know, that's a little ironic because if we're no big deal, then why, please somebody tell me why there are men out there who want to become a woman. I'll tell you why. Because we are a big deal. Women are a big deal. We have value. We have so much value. God created you, woman, in a very specific, unique way, and the world sees it. And you know who else sees it? Satan sees it. The enemy of your soul knows how special you are. In fact, Satan has had his eye on women since the very beginning. And you know his latest trick which is really his oldest trick because he ain't got no new tricks. His latest trick is trying to make us think that we don't matter, that our lives are meaningless and pointless, no big deal. And you know, he's getting louder and louder now because he's using the voices of famous people, politicians, internet, social media. He's got all these platforms now to scream the same message that we don't matter. But you know what? Regardless of all that, Satan is still a liar. Everything that comes out of his mouth is a lie. Nothing, he says, no matter how it's packaged up and served to us, nothing that he says is true. The truth is what God says about us. And this is what he says in Jeremiah 1.5. He says that before you were ever formed in your mom's womb, he knew you. And not just that, but he set you apart for a specific purpose. That's the truth. Girl, God has placed a high value. And by the end of this night, I've been praying that the truth with a capital T, God's truth, will be planted so deep in your hearts that you'll walk out these doors encouraged walking confidently, knowing who you really are. So to do that, I'm going to share three stories with you tonight. And I've been praying that the stories of these women will embolden you to embrace your value, how much you mean to this world, 
to understand how deeply loved you are and to remember that no matter what's going on in your life or what you're in now, God still has a plan for your life. You know, and we're going to start from the beginning. Let's start with Eve. And actually, Eve was the grand finale of everything that God made in the beginning. He created her last. But that doesn't mean that she was an afterthought. Nope. No, she wasn't an afterthought. Because remember, Eve was created in God's heart before he ever created the world. So were you. So were you. The Bible says in Ephesians 1, 4, that before the foundations of this world were ever laid, God knew you and he chose you. God had even mind, even before he created Adam, because he knew what we all know. Adam was going to need a little help, right? God had even mind. And he made her to be the Azar Konegdo for Adam. Now, in the ancient Hebrew of the Bible, the word Azar, y'all got to pay attention to this, is deep. The word Azar means power and strength. The word Konegdo means corresponding to. Sounds a lot like equal. Most Bible translations use the word help me or helper, but that's not the exact translation of the word Azar Konegdo in the ancient Hebrew text as it was written originally in Genesis. Woman was created so strong that she could walk alongside man, help or support him as well. Woman, you, women, us, we were created with power and authority unique to us as women. Now, why do you need to know all this? Because you need to know why you were created and how you were created so that you will have a blueprint for your life. Think of it as a journey. You're going on a journey. Well, you need a map to know where you're going, right? That's why I'm telling you this. And this is my main point right here. I'm going to tell you right now. God created us in his image with the strength, creativity, power, authority, and love we need to impact this world in a way that points them straight to the cross. You know, there's another interesting fact about Eve that I want to point out. Eve was created from the rib of Adam. Adam, he was created from dirt, not Eve. She was made from a strong substance, a hard substance, bone, and that We know that, and the reason we know that is intentional. The human body, think about the human body. The skeletal system is made up of bone, and it supports the entire body. Without bones to support the body, all the other stuff, all the other organs, everything, nothing would be able to function like it was originally intended to function. Ladies, a supporting role is not a weak role. In fact, it's a very vital role. And it's so vital that Satan has been targeting women from the beginning. In the Garden of Eden, I want you to notice, Satan went to the woman. He didn't go to the man. He went straight to Eve, the support, the foundation. He knew that if he could weaken the support, that man would fall. And man fell. Now, do you want to know what really led to the fall? 
It was her mouth. I'm just saying, y'all. Lord, let us get a watch over our mouths. She just had to talk back to Satan. Let's just consider the whole story here, though. That's not the whole story. Where was Adam? He had one job with Eve. And his job was to cover her, protect her, provide for her. Why didn't he step in between her and the serpent? Why did he just stand there and do nothing? Okay, so maybe he wasn't there. All right, we'll, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He wasn't there. Why not? Because you know what? Eve was created for Adam. That's what the Bible says. Genesis 2.18, God said, let me create for Adam a helper. Adam was supposed to be with Eve, y'all. He was supposed to be covering her, protecting her, and keeping her holy. Ephesians 5 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her. Sanctify means to keep holy, to set apart for holiness. Adam didn't sanctify Eve, y'all. And she was about to sin in a way that would alter the world forever. And Adam did nothing. He did nothing to keep her holy. Girls, this isn't just about husband and wife. I'm talking about the male-female dynamic tonight. Because you know what? Not everybody's going to get married. But we all have men in our lives. Every man in your life is charged with covering you and protecting you. Protecting and covering the women in his life. And a lot of times, they've dropped the ball. Now, let me tell you, cover and protect both mean to prevent from harm or to shield. The men in your life were created to protect, value, and cover you. And many of them have it because, because of what happened in the garden, sin. You see, when sin entered the world, it altered things. Since the fall in the garden, Satan has done his best to destroy women. And he's been using the very one that God sent us to man. Did you know that one in three women has been abused and 90% of the abusers have been male? And if that's happened to you, let me assure you right now that that was never God's intention for your life. He never intended for that man to hurt you. The man was supposed to protect you and cover you and care for you tenderly. That was never God's intention. He wasn't supposed to tempt you into sin or take you down a wrong path. That wasn't God's intention, y'all. And it certainly wasn't his intention for you to be hurt. You know, when a woman is abused, it alters. It alters or changes something deep inside of us because we were designed to be protected, not hurt. The pain that comes from abuse alters the trajectory of our lives. But I want you to hear this. Just because something's been altered does not mean it's been erased. Adam's neglect caused deep pain for Eve, but her, still, her life still had significant meaning and she ended up fulfilling God's purpose for her life. You know why? Because in God's economy, nothing's wasted. 
So whatever pain or loss you might have experienced, take it to God. you got to take it to God. Sit down with God and be honest with him. Tell him whatever you need to tell him. He can take it. Whatever you need to say, he can take it. And then let him show you some things. Let him show you the path to healing. You know, 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins to God, then he'll forgive us. And he'll take away our pain and the residuals that came from it. We see this truth played out in Eve's life, y'all. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly that Eve repented, right? But I believe she did. She knew right from wrong the minute she ate that fruit. And she hid from God because she knew what she did was wrong. The penalty for sin is death, period. But Eve didn't die. Because God, in his mercy and his love, he forgave her and he continued to take care of her. God later gave Adam and Eve children. But that's not the end of her story. Later on, once again, Eve is severely impacted by sin. The sin of her own son, Cain. You see, he killed his brother Abel. So not only was Eve the first woman to know the joy of having a child... She was also the first woman to know the pain of losing a child. But God, he saw her deep pain. And in love and mercy, again, he restored what Eve lost and then some. You know, girls, God's in the business of restoration. And when he restores, Zechariah 9.12 tells us that he restores double, double. Not just this is what you lost. No, no, no. More. God gives more than what we lost. God gave Eve another son, and she named him Seth, which means God gives. Now let's go back to the garden for a minute. The first thing that Satan told Eve was, did God really say that? You see, he was trying to make her believe that God was withholding something good from her. And she, she believed it at first. I mean, you know. She believed it. But as she continued to see the goodness of God, the kindness, the love, the mercy, the Bible says that it's the goodness of God that drives drives us to repentance. As Eve continued to see the goodness of God, she learned to trust him. She learned that God doesn't take good from us. He gives it to us. You know what? Eve's story is important to our story, women. Our story as ladies, our story as girls, our story as women, her story is important to us. Because like Eve, we were created with strength to be a foundation, to be support. But that doesn't mean that we're exempt from pain. Sometimes people think, well, she's so strong. She she doesn't feel anything. Mm, No. But here's the thing. Even when we go through pain, whether it's our fault or not, God will always heal and restore. We just have to reach out to him and be honest with him and then trust him to do it his way. Eve did that and God moved. Her youngest son, Seth, her youngest son, well, he had a son. And that was when people started calling on the name of the Lord. Y'all, that's a beautiful legacy. So if you've been hurt, I want to encourage you. Take it to God. He has healing and restoration in his hands, and he has forgiveness too, just like he did for Eve. God has a special place in his heart for hurting women. I'm going to say that again. 
God has a special place in his heart for hurting women. And it's because of what happened to Eve. There's another woman I want to tell you about tonight. And her story, like Eve, is really important to our story as women. In Genesis chapter 38, we read about a woman named Tamar. Tamar was picked by a man named Judah to marry his oldest son, Ur. Now, Judah had three sons, Ur, Onan, and Shelah. Shelah was the baby. So Tamar marries Ur, and then Ur does something wicked, and God takes him out. I don't know what he did. I think he was abusing her. But whatever Ur was up to, God wasn't having it. It must have been horrific for God to just take him out. And that left Tamar all alone by herself. Now, there was a Hebrew law at the time. It was called the Leverite Law. And to be specific, that was the name of it. And if a husband died and left no heirs, then it was the duty or the responsibility of the next son in line to marry the widow so that she could have children with him. And those children would continue to um, be the legacy and the inheritance of the dead brother, right? And this was to make sure that a widow wasn't left alone with no one to care for her. So when Ur died, it was Onan's responsibility to step up and father a child with Tamar. But this is what happened instead. Genesis 38, starting in verse 9. Let's read it. It should be on the screen. But Onan knew that the child would not be his. So whenever he slept with his brother's wife, he spilled his semen on the ground to keep from providing offspring for his brother. What he did was wicked in the Lord's sight. So the Lord put him to death also. Seems a little harsh, right? But is it? Is it really hard? Let me show you what makes what Onan did horrible. He had the ability to say no to marrying Tamar. There was a stipulation in that law that said if the next brother in line didn't want to marry the widow, he didn't have to. But Onan didn't do that. This is what he did. He used Tamar's body for his own pleasure. And God was not okay with that. So took Onan out too. Two bad husbands. Two bad husbands later, Tamar is a childless widow. But you know what? Her pain is so much deeper than that, y'all. She had been abused, used, rejected, and left all alone on her own. If you've ever been in a situation like that, if you've ever been used, abused, lied to, and left to fend for yourself, wondering what's next, what do I do now? Then you know exactly how Tamar felt. And you know, the Jewish law said that the next son, if he was too young to marry her, which was the case with Shelah, then the father-in-law could marry her. And if he didn't want to, then the widow could be set free. But you know what? Judah didn't care about Tamar. He had just lost two sons, and he wasn't about to give his third son to Tamar. Because he's kind of thinking she's the reason why. At that point, Judah could have married her, but he didn't do that. He could have set her free. He didn't do that either. What does he do? He sends Tamar back to her father's house to live as a widow. And then he tells her, oh, I'll send Shayla to marry you when he's old enough. So here's Tamar, stuck in limbo. She can't move on with her life. Judah had just sentenced Tamar to a life of loneliness, hopelessness, 
not to mention poverty. Well, time passed. Shayla got older, and he never came for Tamar, and she knew he never would. So terrified and desperate, Tamar takes matters into her own hands, and this is what she did. Y'all hang on. Tamar had found out that Judah's wife died and that he was going to go into town and handle some business. So she dresses up like a prostitute. She covers her face with a veil, and then she sits by the road where she knew he'd pass by, and she waited, and she waited. She knew Judah was probably going to be lonely. You know, his wife died and probably wants some company, if you know what I mean. And you know what? She was right. Sure enough, let's read what happened. Genesis 38, 15, it says, When Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute, for she had covered her face. Not realizing that she was his daughter-in-law, he went over to her by the roadside and said, Come now, let me sleep with you. She says, What will you give me to sleep with you? So they go back and forth. They come up with a price, and Judah says, Okay, I'll pay you. Tamar's like, Yeah, right, right. But she tells him, all right, okay, let's do this. But give me your seal, your cord, and your staff to hang on to until you come back and pay what you owe me. She was basically asking him for his driver's license. See, back then, those items were very specific to a man. And anyone who saw a man's seal, cord, and staff, they knew who it belonged to. So Judah Judah agrees to that. (laughs) He's simple. He agrees to that. They get together. Tamar ends up pregnant. Girl, if you ever thought that you've done something that God can't give you, forgive you for, what mm, mm. Tamar did, she took it to a whole nother level, okay? Now, look, I'm not condoning what she did. She did what she thought she had to do, but I can't say that I blame her either. Tamar was afraid. She was desperate. She had no resources, so she did what she thought she needed to do. Her intention wasn't to become a prostitute and make a living selling her body. That's not what she was doing. She was just going to do one thing, one time, and hopefully that would ensure that she'd be taken care of and that her future would be okay. Let me ask you this. When you're hurting, do you tell yourself that? Just one time. Just this one time. I'm not going to do it again. And the next thing you know, this shame and this guilt and all these feelings bubble up and you think, man, I've gone too far. God's not going to let me get back in in this. God's not going to forgive this. So you stay stuck. You stay stuck in a cycle of abuse, pain, trauma, sin. But here's the thing I want you to understand about God. Oh, hear me good, please. He knows that our pain or the bad situation that we may find ourselves in, he knows that makes us desperate. And when we're desperate, we do desperate things. And we don't always make the best decisions. So you know what he does? He covers us. He protects us. And he waits patiently for us to return to him. But ladies, we got to turn back. Because until we do, things can only get worse. Maybe you've been there, done that, and things are worse. If that's you, don't be too hard on yourself. And please don't think God is done with you. Just remember Tamar's story. Remember Tamar's story. God was with her every single moment of her life. He knew how badly she'd been hurt. He knew when she was abandoned 
and he covered her. He covered her even when she was sitting beside the road looking like a prostitute. Anything could have happened to her, y'all, but it didn't because God protected her. Girls, just because you've been through some stuff doesn't mean that God isn't there, and it doesn't mean that he doesn't care. God has a plan for your life. He will take your pain, your missteps, all that sketchy stuff, all of it, and he'll work it out for your good and his glory. Your job is to participate as he does it. Remember, you were created to be foundational, a strong support. And I know struggles can weaken us, but walking through the fire, standing in the pain, leaning onto God in your struggles, that's how you get strong again. And it's going to be a process. You know, it's kind of like taking antibiotics when you're sick, right? You got to take the whole bottle. Same thing with God. You got to stay in the process. Don't short circuit what God wants to do. You have to stay the course, walk through the process, and then on the other side, you'll come out healed and stronger, and and you'll have a powerful, powerful restoration story to share with those around you who may very well be walking through what God got you out of. God saw everything Tamar went through, and he gave her beauty from it. You know, God convicted Judah. We don't got to get people back, y'all. God will handle our business for us. He convicted Judah for all the stuff he had done to Tamar. And Judah ended up taking care of Tamar for the rest of her life. You know, Judah never slept with her again. But from that one time, and we know it only takes one time. From that one time, Tamar had twins. And one of those boys, Perez, well, he became a great-grandfather to King David, from whose line came the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus Christ is referred to as the lion of the tribe of Judah. It's that Judah, that Judah. But Tamar, Tamar is one of only four women listed in the genealogy of Jesus Christ in the first book of the first chapter of the New Testament. She's a great-grandmother of Jesus. You matter, sis. No matter what you've done, God loves you. He is not judging you. He's pursuing you with an everlasting love. Why do you think you're here tonight? You think you came because your friends invited you and like, all right, I'll go. No. You think it's because you saw us on social media and you thought, oh, this sounds like a good idea. I'll go do that. Nah, girl, God called you here. He called you here. You're here for a purpose. God is always, always lining up opportunities for us to come to him, for us to leave the past behind, to push past the pain and come to him. You know, there's one more lady I want to tell you about before I finish, and her name is Rahab. She's also listed in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter one, and it's extremely intentional. Let me tell you why. She's actually referred to as Rahab the prostitute other places in Scripture. So clearly, she's made some bad decisions in her life. And I'm pretty sure those decisions have caused her pain and suffering, not to mention being marginalized. The other thing about Rahab is she wasn't Jewish. 
Rahab wasn't Jewish. She wasn't one of God's chosen people. Rahab was like a lot of us, y'all, women with a past with no hope for redemption. But God, but God. Rahab started as a non-believer, but she finished as a true believer in the one true God. Rahab believed that God is who he says he is, and she backed it up with action. It's called faith. In fact, Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the faith chapter, and she's listed in there as one of the heroes of faith. As a matter of fact, Hebrews eleven six says that it's impossible to please God without faith. But it also goes on to say that God rewards those who believe in him and seek him. Rahab believed and she acted on her faith and God rewarded her. She saved the Israelite spies that were sent specifically to her town and her house and God rewarded her. And you know what? She ended up marrying one of them. So, you know, all you single ladies here wondering where your husband is, he's tied to your faith. He's tied to your faith. Obey God. Do what you can do, and God will do the rest. You know, Rahab's life, it could have turned out a whole lot different had she not obeyed. But she trusted God, and he rewarded her by making her a great-grandmother of Jesus Christ. You know, the world may say that women were no big deal. We don't really matter. But the stories of Eve, Tamar, and Rahab, well, they crushed that lie of the enemy real fast. If you ever think that you don't deserve to have a rich, joyful life in Christ because of your past, that's not true. That's not true. Girl, you were created in the image of God Almighty. You have so much value that he's placed on the inside of you. And you know what? If that wasn't true, then why has Satan been trying to take us out since the beginning? Know your value. Know your value because it came from God and it's a done deal. In fact, it's out of God's deep, unending love that he created you as a woman. That's been part of his beautiful plan for your life all along, and the plan hasn't changed. You know, when I was a little girl, I was sexually abused, and that brought a lot of guilt, shame, a lot of second-guessing, And as the years passed, I did a lot of stuff to try to numb that pain, to try to erase the memory. And as a young woman, I didn't know that I could just give that to God and he would heal me. Nobody ever told me that. If your story's kind of like that and you're in a situation where you don't want to be, I really do understand. But more importantly, God understands And if you've been there and you're trying to numb the pain, erase the memories, or you're trying to find peace in a bottle of booze or wine or drugs, pills, that's not your fault either. That's not your fault. Whether something happened to you that brought about the pain or even maybe you were rebellious and you caused it all yourself, 
that's in the past. You got to leave it there. You cannot erase the past. Don't try. But I know somebody who can. I know somebody who can. And his name is Jesus Christ. He's the only one. He's the only one that can take away that stuff. He knows that none of us chose to be a victim. But you have a choice now, sister. You have a choice now. Do not live another day as a victim. Rise up out of the ashes of your past. Rise up out of that stuff that you might be doing right now. And let God heal and restore some stuff. Girl, you've got a story to tell. You've got love to give. You have people who need your support, your encouragement. You were created to be a firm foundation. Ladies, a cracked foundation, a cracked foundation will cause the whole building to crumble. Tonight, you have a chance. You have a chance to let go of that stuff that's been holding you back. Let God heal your broken heart. Let him break those chains of addiction. I want to say something. Let me just say something real right here. If you need alcohol, pills, booze, drugs, even, even marijuana, if you need any of that stuff to relax, that's not how God created you to be. That's not what he created for you. In fact, it's called addiction. And it's the byproduct of pain. I know that there are deep hurts in this room tonight. Maybe as a child, you were rejected by a parent. Or maybe even as a woman, you were rejected by a, a spouse, a friend, a boyfriend. Maybe when you were little, a teacher said some awful things to you. Did some mean things. Maybe it happened on the playground. Some kids some mean kid said something crazy to you. Every one of those things, that's what Satan uses to plant seeds of rejection. And those seeds will lead you down a path of destruction. You know, even if you've been abused, abuse is another tool the enemy uses against us. And it's not even our fault. But he's an opportunist, man. He takes opportunities. So maybe you've been sexually or verbally abused. Maybe you've been abused by neglect. You know, maybe, I don't know, maybe you were a little kid and you saw something that you just didn't have the ability to process or understand. And that will plant seeds of fear in your heart. And you'll do some things to protect yourself because you have a seed of fear and you don't even know it. Maybe you've never heard of this before. Girl, this is exactly why you have to sit with God. You have to get quiet before the Lord. And you need to tell him how you feel and let him show you some things. He'll show you what happened to hurt you. And then he'll show you how to get free. He'll show you in a way that you can actually process it too. He's going to show you who you need to forgive, even if it's yourself. And then it's going to be on you. You're going to have to forgive, release that person, and release that pain to God. You got to do it. It's a process. It's a process, and you got to stay with it. Stay the course 
and let God finish the good work that he's already started in you. The Bible says he will bring it through to completion. And that's when, that's when you, girl, can become all that God created you to be. Let me pray for us. Let me just pray for us. Heavenly Father, I know you brought us together tonight for a purpose. I know that every single soul in this building is here by your design. I know there are no accidents or incidents or coincidences in your world. And I know, Lord, that there are hearts in this room that are just on fire. They're burning. They're hurting. They're broken. Some of the hearts in this room have been shredded, Lord. I pray right now, God, that you just release your healing balm in this room, Father God. Release your love. Release your peace, your joy. Everything that you are, Lord, release it in this room right now. And bring healing to broken, raw, burning hearts. And Father, for the hearts that are scarred and calloused and so hard that they've got walls all around them to keep people out. Lord, soften those hearts. Break through those walls with your love, with your kindness. Draw broken hearts into you tonight, Lord. I thank you for your presence, God. I thank you for your healing power, and I thank you for who you are. Lord, I pray that you will do your good work, the work you've already started, and bring it through to completion. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ.